Hello, podcast listeners. I wanted to turn you on to an exciting webinar series that's been going on for a couple weeks now. Every Wednesday night, there's been something called the Pearls of Spine Surgery run by Jeremy Longhurst at Broadwater. Jeremy is joining us tonight just to briefly tell you about it. Let me just let you know that the first night was with Larry Lenke. The second Wednesday night was with Russ Knuckles, and the third with, was with myself and our group at University of Miami. Uh, this Wednesday, we have J.P. Mobasser to talk about the, um, the issues with MIS surgery and how to make it less frustrating. Jeremy, tell us about the upcoming content we can expect. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the, the next webinar is uh, How to Reduce Frustration in MIS Spine Surgery, which sounds like a very appropriate topic. Uh, JP Mobasa will begin it with a uh, short presentation, and then they're going to run through a series of cases uh, highlighting the different challenges and trying to point out very uh, practical pearls and steps to get around those frustrations, to get around those challenges. The nice thing about those webinars is they are CME accredited. So it's real simple at the end just to take a couple of a very short tests and print off your CME certificate. So listeners, that's found at broad-water.com. There's an easy link right up top for online CME event. Again, it's broad-water.com. Tune in with all of us on Wednesday. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. So today on the Nurse Review Podcast, we are very delighted to be joined by Roger Hartle. Many of you know who Roger is. Roger is the Director of Spine at Cornell. He's a neurosurgeon. He's originally from Germany. And Roger uh, is well known around the world as a minimally invasive spine surgery expert. But that is not what we're going to be talking about today. Roger is well known um, around the world as having done a great deal of spine philanthropy. And that's what we'd like to talk about today. So Roger, welcome to the podcast. Mike, thank you so much for having me here today. Roger, can we start out by uh, asking you about uh, how you got started in this whole project in Tanzania? I, I know that you're originally from Germany. Is there any relation to that? And tell us a, a little bit of background about what's been going on there. Yes, Mike. Uh, I, I'll tell you a little bit about the background. I, As you mentioned before, I, I, I was a medical student in Germany, <clears throat> and I spent some time in Africa during my time in medical school. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, we went to Tanzania when I was in my early 20s and then to Malawi, and I spent six weeks at a hospital in Malawi in Central Africa. And, and that was always probably one of the most memorable and impactful experiences that I had during all of my medical uh, career really, and when I st started thinking about neurosurgery, uh, I always wanted to go back and incorporate that experience into my neurosurgical practice. As you know, as as neurosurgeons, we're very busy, and uh, so many things come up all the time. And it was not until about eleven or twelve years ago 
that I really had the opportunity to go back to Tanzania and spent again some time in a hospital in Tanzania. And uh, I was able to realize during that time period how important neurosurgical diseases and pathologies really are and how impactful those are in that part of the world. So talk a little bit about that. What, what exactly um, have you set up there in terms of both training and direct care that you've been able to bring to the patients? You know, when, when I went back to Tanzania about 11 years ago, I was stunned by the lack of neurosurgical manpower. Uh, Tanzania is a big country. They have about 40, now, now, now actually almost 50 million people. And if you think about the fact that when, when I went back, there were only four or five neurosurgeons taking care of these patients or trying to take care of these patients, and they were all in the same city, in the same hospital, essentially. So what became evident that there was a problem with distribution of neurosurgical workforce, but there was obviously also a problem with just the magnitude of, of diseases and, and, and patients that would show up at the hospital. So on many different levels, there was an insurmountable challenge to really try to figure out how to, you know, what can we do from the outside that is meaningful and that can help them become better neurosurgeons and provi provide better neurosurgical care for that huge number of patients over that huge geographic expansion that Tanzania and East Africa, obviously, as a whole kind of represent. So that was the challenge when we went back 11 years ago. And I, you know, I, I, I'm German, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I decided to go back every year. And over the uh, 11 years that I've been going back with uh, a number of colleagues that you know, and uh, nurses and anesthesiologists and so forth, we were trying to figure out really or solve the challenge of how are we able to help them provide better neurosurgical care and training while we're only there maybe one week a year or two weeks a year. How do you, how do, you do that? And that was really the, the journey that, that we kind of got ourselves into over the last 11 years. And I think we found some really interesting approaches and I think also some answers to this riddle. So Roger, it, I, I've, I followed the work that you've been doing and it's really fantastic. But for, for folks like me that aren't so uh, worldly, um, there are 54 or so countries in Africa, right? Why Tanzania? Is there something yes. special about the need or the resources or your connection to that part of the, the world? Why Tanzania? Well, Mike, that's a, that's a great question. You got to remember, as surgeons, we're in a very different position from physicians who take care of infectious diseases or or, or you know general uh, medical practitioners. Uh, surgery is a hands-on uh, uh, occupation, and it's a one-on-one -on -one enterprise. So you have to you have to go with the opportunities that you have at hand. Of course, there are many countries that are probably worse off than Tanzania. But Tanzania was the place that I went to. I, I identified surgeons there who wanted to work with us. And that's really the, I think that's the most important thing. You have to work with people who really want you to work with them. You can't just make a decision unilaterally, say, I, I'm going to go to uh, Ethiopia and establish a neurosurgical training program there. You can't do that unless you have the full support from the individuals who actually live there and work there. 
And and we had that in Tanzania because we we went back every year. We we built strong relationships. They trust us, and they want us to be there. And that's that's really the number one priority for what we do. You can't do you cannot really implement change unless the people that you're working with really are 150 percent on board. So that's why we go to Tanzania. Now, I would love to work with surgeons who have relationships in other parts of the world and who want to build a similar program like, like the one that we have in Tanzania in a different part of the world where I do not have those relationships. And, and I would love to use the podcast to uh, maybe inspire people or to encourage them to explore that. But for what we do, Tanzania is perfect. And again, it's because we have the relationship. We have champion surgeons in Tanzania who want to work with us. And that's what that, that's the secret to the success. So Dr. Hartle, I remember um, from when I was at Cornell and you talking about this program and the trips you make out there, you always emphasized how much you focus on training the surgeons on the ground rather than showing up once, twice a year and doing some operations. So thinking about these other programs you'd like to inspire in different nations around the world that have neurosurgical needs. What have you learned from your time in Tanzania that um, either yourself or other neurosurgeons who want to train those in other countries with needs could benefit from in setting up new programs? Yeah, that is also a very good question. You know, initially, when we started going there, we went there and we thought, like a lot of people would think, wow, we have to bring equipment. So we put together containers with uh, ventilators, OR tables, Mayfield head holders, neurosurgical equipment, ventriculostomies, all types of things. And the truth is that, yes, those things are needed, but the problem is that these, uh, these, uh, this expensive equipment, unless you have a mechanism in place to, to repair it, to maintain it, to store it, it's, it's going to go to waste for the most part because you know, one, we, we brought unspucked drills over, brand new unspucked drills, and they broke down the first day we used them, and they, they were not able to repair them. So it's, it's a waste. So what we realized is what we really need to do is we have to focus on training and teaching because that is independent from uh, particular resources. You can do that hands-on. You can do that one-on-one. -on -one, you can do that virtually. You can do that by Skype or Zoom conferences. So that's what we... That's what we learned over the years, and we we came up with a seven points, what we call like the seven point sustainable neurosurgery uh, initiative. And uh, let me let me just go through those seven points uh, briefly because I think it is important, and it is a template that other surgeons who have interests in Africa or other parts of the world, I think, can use these seven points uh, very. Um, uh, meaningfully. The one thing is obviously, number one is you have to go there and, and you have to go there maybe a week or two weeks a year. What we decided to do then is when we go over there and we do live surgery in the operating room with together with the surgeons, we also organize a yearly symposium that's, that's regional where surgeons from all over East Africa, we, we, we focus on neurotrauma because that's one of the biggest needs. And then what happened over the years is that this symposium became really a uh, symposium that's now being organized locally by the surgeons, the champion surgeons who we work with. So we don't even have to do anything. Initially, we organized the whole thing, and now they do everything on their own, which is a great learning and teaching experience right there. 
The next component is fellowships. So we 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 invite uh, Tanzanian promising surgeons, sometimes also ICU physicians, to come to New York for observerships, six weeks to three months. The other component is we have a fellowship that is funded where we can send a neurosurgeon, a trained neurosurgeon, like a postgraduate fellow from North America to Tanzania to spend one year in the operating room in Tanzania teaching, training, and helping us with our research uh, program. And that is something, if anybody on this podcast who's listening has an interest, please reach out, contact me, because this is a great opportunity for young, motivated surgeon to spend time in, in a um, developing country and, and, and really not only teach, but also learn a lot and uh, you know be involved in research papers and so forth. Finally, we have research protocols in, in Tanzania where we collect data on hydrocephalus, spinal trauma, traumatic brain injury, and we, 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 uh, we, we publish those papers together with our Tanzanian colleagues. So publications are important. And then most importantly, I think, is just the weekly Skype or Zoom conferences that we have every week, every week with our Tanzanian colleagues where we discuss cases, but we also go through our research projects and so forth. So those are seven points that we do that, that really allow you to have a very robust program, even though you only have to be there a week or two weeks a year. But you have these, uh, but you incredibly increase your footprint by incorporating research, the fellowships, the Skype calls, and so forth. So I hope that I didn't overwhelm you now with information, but, but, but it is important to understand that if you want to do this meaningfully, you got to diversify your your touch points and your and your and your footprint by incorporating not only don't only just go there once a year but also try to be in constant communication by fellowships, Skype calls and so forth. So Roger, I always tell people that the number one cause of disability in the world, whether it's the United States or sub-Saharan Africa is spinal disorders. Is that true? Well, the number one in young people is really neurotrauma, which which includes spinal trauma, of course. But it's uh, you know what what we see there is really the number one priority is neurotrauma. Uh, so it's head head trauma and spinal trauma. Now, um, as a spine surgeon, obviously my my interest was always to to look a little bit closer at you know what is what is the incidence of spine trauma and how is it being treated and. And we just published a number of papers on, on, on spinal trauma in, in East Africa, in Tanzania. And it is a very significant problem. And these patients are treated non-surgically for the most part. And one of the projects that we we're working on is implementing a protocol to actually treat these patients earlier with instrumentation. We have relationships with companies that donate instrumentation for now. Uh, but we want to make this more sustainable, obviously, by exploring exploring mechanisms that the hospital can use to actually get uh, inexpensive instrumentation. Um, but but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and and the whole concept of spinal trauma is fascinating. Uh, Scott Zuckerman, who is a postgraduate um, fellow from Vanderbilt, he's actually on the uh, U.S. Comfort uh, right now during the COVID crisis here in New York. But he spent uh, almost nine months in Tanzania, and he's a great example of how a fellow, and you know, he was a, uh, a global neurosurgery fellow over there. 
he's a great example of how a fellow can really use this experience in Tanzania to do amazing work. And he's done, he's done that and he's writing it up and he's written a part of that together with the Tanzanians. And, and it, is, it is a great opportunity for those who are really interested in, 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 in spending some time away from home. So, Roger, that brings me up to my follow-up question, which is really about what kind of procedures are you able to do there? In other words, are you doing basic neurosurgery? Are you doing, as you said, a lot of trauma? Are you doing uh, any, any brain tumors? Tell us about the, the breadth, if you will, of neurosurgical practice and something about maybe the case volume of what's going on there. Yeah, of course. You know, that is... Um... You know, that depends to a certain extent, and that's the beauty of this whole program. It depends a little bit on on what you bring uh, to the table as a, as a surgeon. I mentioned Scott. He had a, you know, he has a very big interest in spine, so he, uh, he, really, uh, he really pushed spine a lot, and, and therefore uh, the whole program in Tanzania really shifted, shifted more towards spine, believe it or not. He got the neurosurgeons, the orthopedic surgeons on board, and they really focused on treating spine trauma patients as soon as they came through the door. So they decreased the waiting time for surgery from, from 24 days to four days, believe it or not. So, so it depends a little bit on, on what your interests are as a fellow. Uh, we, had a, we had a pediatric neurosurgeon there, Maria Santos from Portugal. She was very interested in endoscopic uh, uh, third ventriculostomies. She pushed that very hard, and they have a great experience there because they do camps. They go to small villages for weeks at a time to perform that type of surgery. And, um, and so she pushed that very hard, and she learned a lot, and she uh, published her experiences. Um, right now we have a fellow from London. She's a skull-based trained neurosurgeon. Uh, she's actually from Kenya or, or originally. Her name is Beverly. Uh, she she does a lot of microsurgery. They have two microscopes there. Uh, they they do brain tumors. Uh, they do skull based tumors. Um, so there is an opportunity here for a fellow or somebody or a visiting surgeon to really uh, do what what they are interested in and and teaching the particular skills that they think that they are good at. Uh, vascular surgery is 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 challenging right now because they've done some little bit of vascular surgery with visiting senior vascular surgeons, like Phil Steak was over there and did some aneurysms and so forth. But that is not something that could really be done routinely because they don't have the uh, angiography capabilities and and so forth. But it's something, in my estimation, will happen over the next few years. I mean, there. Uh, they're building a new ICU and, and they built new operating rooms. Everything is happening so much faster. There's really leap. You know, the whole concept of, of leapfrogging there is 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 fascinating. You know, you bring in a technology and they immediately pick up on it and they skip all the other steps that we had to painfully go through for years and decades in neurosurgery. They just skip to the latest technology, and and that is also something that's fascinating to watch and be part of. Well, Dr. Hartle, speaking about um, the technology involved there, and you talked before about some of the equipment that you had to bring, I assume that outside of the equipment repairs that you spoke about, there's a lot of disposable objects and disposable equipment that has to be used in the setting of trauma, uh, ventriculostomy catheters, as you said. Um, you, you talked about doing earlier instrumentation for spine trauma. How is all of this funded in terms of you know, acquiring these materials to treat these patients? I assume that this is mostly from charitable organizations. 
Um, do you have any industry sponsors or if any of our listeners wanted to contribute to this Tanzania project, how, how could they help? Yes, I, you know, we have sponsors. We have primarily patients who, who um, support our project with, um, you know, monetary uh, support. And that goes into organizing the conference that we do over there. It goes into organizing the fellowships going back and forth for Tanzanian fellows so we don't we don't really encourage individuals or companies to to donate a lot of equipment for the reasons that I mentioned before because unless you have a mechanism in place locally in Tanzania to repair to maintain it doesn't make sense to send a lot of expensive equipment however what we obviously benefit from is spinal instrumentation for example that, that is something that's being donated by uh, companies, you know, Depew Synthes and some others, uh, Nuvasive, have, have, have been very generous in, uh, in supporting some of the instrumentation, Medtronic as well, Stryker. I don't want to single out companies here. Uh, that, that is obviously very helpful. Uh, but we're doing that only, right, th- but this is not sustainable. The only reason we're doing this now, right now is we want to collect data uh, showing that Treatment of spinal trauma with instrumentation is is cost effective. Uh, then we present that data to the hospital, and the hospital at the end of the day, the hospital has to uh, pay for this uh, because otherwise it's not going to be sustainable. And and we have data now looking into cost uh, effectiveness of spinal instrumentation, and and we're in the process of of writing this up and demonstrating to the hospital that. If they invest in spinal instrumentation, it's going to—it's actually going to be very much cost efficient. If you look at the—if uh, um, uh, if you look at patient outcome and, and the costs involved in, in, in improving patient outcomes, um, another recent experience was—you know—we did some deformity cases last year in November when we were there. We had Dr. Uh, Allah Ahmed there from Palestine. He's a—he's uh, uh, a very gifted deformity surgeon. And, and so, so suddenly, instead of sending scoliosis patients to India, where they would usually undergo expensive spinal surgery, we were able to treat those patients locally in Tanzania, and the hospital was amazed. And they suddenly, it was like, you know, their lights opened up, and they, they realized, well, there's a real opportunity here to make this cost efficient. So, so that was an eye-opener for us as well to see how the hospital looks at this as an opportunity to actually save money. And that's mainly for elective cases where they would send them otherwise to India for expensive surgery. Now we do them in Tanzania and they save a lot of money that way. Roger, that's fantastic. I've been following your work, as you know, uh, for over a decade there in Tanzania. I think you've done an amazing job and amazing service and trained many people. In some ways, our work here in Miami uh, in Haiti parallels that, but I, I to some degree think that you've been a bit more successful in the sense that the reach is further and, and the lift is harder, I think, in Tanzania in, in many ways. Uh, I would uh, indicate to our listeners, if you're interested in contacting Roger Hardo, you can certainly do that directly or through us at uh, neurosurgerypodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us. Roger, we want to thank you uh, for coming on the show and thank you for all your great service. Good luck with uh, with everything. Mike, thank you so much. Can I can I give uh, can I say two more sentences? Yeah, I just wanted to say if anybody's interested, we have a, a website, wildcornellbrainandspine.org/tanzania, that describes the program. 
uh, if anybody's interested in contributing, it gives you the opportunity to contribute. Uh, if anybody, uh, any one of the neurosurgeons is interested in becoming a fellow, spending a year in Tanzania, please contact us, of course. Uh, we're in need of fellows, and these are funded fellowships. And then, obviously, if anybody knows uh, companies that want to want to send instrumentation implants for spinal surgery, which is a focus for us right now, please let me know as well. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mike. And um, uh, thank you, John Paul, for your time and for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. It's been a great experience. Great. Thanks for being on the podcast, sir.